0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back this week with my friends Chris. Hello! And Stephen hi how are you guys doing
1: fan fucking tastic i'm
2: doing great you know i mean under the circumstances uh, i can't complain
0: absolutely well you guys we have a very very special episode this week if you tuned in last episode you know that we did something kind of special Uh, we held our first ever charity auction we actually auctioned off the right to pick the next movie that we would watch normally uh, this episode in our little sequence would be the one where we uh, let the wheel of death pick a random movie for us to watch but this time we auctioned it off and we uh, donated all the proceeds from that auction to the movement for black lives which uh, we think is a pretty important cause to sport in these times and uh, we're really excited that our uh, our winner was listener Amy who uh, bid 75 bucks in the auction. We matched Amy's donation and another uh, anonymous listener chipped in a donation without bidding. Uh, so we actually ended up sending a total of 250 bucks to the Movement for Black Lives. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still uh, really happy and really excited about that.
1: Totally. It's it's much more money than I thought we would raise. I was really pleased to see the engagement. Really happy about that extra special donation that we got that wasn't a part of the auction all-around huge success i would love to do it again me too
2: yeah it feels it feels good to be able to you know do our small probably insignificant in the grand scheme of things but nonetheless helpful uh effort to to bend the uh, moral arc of the universe towards justice and uh <laughs> wellness during these troubled times
1: and you know what? I am, I am so glad that Amy was the winner because she appears to be a, a horror fan after my own heart. She picked a movie I couldn't possibly be more excited to talk about, and that is the 2016 creepy doll movie, The Boy.
0: Dude, I think it's safe to say that at, well, at least two out of the three of us, yourself, Stephen, and me, were screaming when we heard what Amy's pick was. Chris, would you say you were screaming?
2: Yeah, I was screaming. This was really the perfect <laughs> gift. Um, you know, the perfect gift is something that you would never buy for yourself, but that you want <laughs> or you need. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: And,
2: um, I've been curious about the boy. Pretty much since it came out, and I've seen it on the catalog week after week. I've considered picking it for my own wheel of death pick, but I've just never wanted to use my wheel of death pick on it. So I'm really grateful that that Amy showed up and and finally gave me a reason to watch this movie. Uh, really appreciate that. And we should say we also really appreciate you know everyone else who participated in the auction, even if uh, you didn't have the winning bid. Uh, you know your your ability, your uh, your willingness to participate at the level that. You were able to participate is appreciated. Even if you weren't uh you know in a financial position to support our auction whatsoever, but you would have liked to. Uh we're 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 glad to have you
0: on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Much love to everybody who bid. And I also had a similarly like long running fascination with this movie, The Boy. I mean, I remember seeing the trailers for it before it came out and just thinking wow, this looks wild, Uh, because the doll appears never to move, but everybody treats it like it's an actual child. I I don't know. I was just fascinated with the concept, but for some reason never actually saw it. So I'm glad we had this opportunity.
2: And I love, 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 love Amy's uh, story for why she's picking this movie. Um, She says that she went to a drive-in movie because... Like many states, uh, you can't go to the normal movies under the pandemic conditions. So she went to a drive-in and they were playing The Boy 2, which came out earlier this year. Sequel to The Boy. Um, Brahms, The Boy 2. Brahms, The the Boy boy (laughs) 2. So um, it sounds like she had not seen The Boy before she saw The Boy 2. And this seeing Brahms, The Boy 2, made her curious to see The Boy. And so she wanted to watch that one and then have us uh, on board to uh, see what we thought of it.
1: Well, I, I will say, you know, I got I got very excited about this. I was screaming like everyone else. I, like you guys, got kind of swept up in the quote-unquote hype of this movie back when it came out because it was, you know me, I love a good-bad movie. I'm, I'm kind of a connoisseur these days. Um, really always have been since I was a teenager. And this sounded just right up my alley. The reviews, uh, especially from the AV Club, were, I mean, they were pretty much pitching it as like if you like a, a slick Hollywood movie that is also complete and utter baffling trash, check this out. you're gonna be howling in your seat. So I bought a ticket, saw it in the theater, and it it delivered tenfold for me. But it's been a few years and it was kind of it was, I, I liked the idea of having the opportunity to to revisit it and see if it lived up to that initial experience I had.
0: You know what? I'm gonna say right up front, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think the reviews are horrendously unfair, and I think this movie is horrendously underrated. Sure, there are a few flaws that I'll get into as we get into the weeds, but I think this movie is a delight that generally succeeds in the way it seeks to succeed.
1: Well, it depends. I I can't read the director's mind. I don't know what the intent was. So, I don't know if I can totally agree with you there, but I I'm delighted to hear that you had that response to it, Patrick. Sounds like you had a good time.
0: Well, let's set it up. I hate summarizing things. So, does anybody want to take a stab at giving the, you know, the the uh what are they What is that expression? The 40,000 foot view, 30,000 30, foot 35,000 feet 35, from, the, from yeah. That right cruising the
2: altitude of an commercial airplane.
0: Ah. Um
2: So, yeah, The Boy, very simple premise, incredibly simple premise, incredibly elegant premise. We have (laughs) a young American nanny who finds herself in the United Kingdom, uh, played by Lauren Cohen, best known, of course, as Martha Wayne in the flashback in
0: Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. What? I did not realize that. But also, (laughs) let's be real. She's best known for being on The Walking Dead.
2: She's best known for being on The Walking Dead, which, you know, I haven't watched The Walking Dead. As far as I can tell, The Walking Dead exists just to supply celebrities to comic conventions. But, (laughs) hey, hot fucking take. That's beside the point. Anyway, so we have a young American nanny, Laura Cohen, playing a woman named Greta, who takes a job with an odd, uh, I guess I'll call them elderly. They're probably in their 70s. Um, couple in this exquisite Victorian mansion somewhere in the English countryside Uh, but when she gets there she finds out that her charge the boy she's supposed to be taking care of is just a like about three foot tall porcelain doll and she begins to suspect that the doll first she thinks it's a joke it's ridiculous but she soon begins to suspect that the doll is
0: alive
1: what a premise. And what a summary. What a premise. We're leaving uh, we're leaving out one detail that is mentioned pretty early on and it's you know we can talk about whether or not it pays off later but she's she's getting into the situation partially in order to flee a very volatile dangerous abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is her refuge and she's expecting just this wonderful romp in the English you know, countryside, and things just immediately, immediately disappoint her expectations. And to al- put it lightly, and also introduced
2: very early on is the idea that this porcelain doll is a a surrogate for a real life boy that the couple lost in a tragic accident twenty years mm-hmm. prior, and that as part of their grief, they've just kind of kept on parenting, but with this porcelain doll, the boy.
1: Yeah, so the elderly couple, they're, uh, you know, pretty soon after Greta, oddly English name for an American woman, arrives, they're going on holiday, as the Brits would say, and they leave her with a list of rules to take care of their boy. And she finds this absurd, but they actually have a printed out list of, like, something like 10 things that she must do for and with the boy every single day which which i did find
0: sort of odd the way that was presented because the list is referred to sort of briefly early on from what i remember and it's kind of a while before we start to really realize the items that are on this list and i i this is one of my little problems with the movie is i kind of wanted that set up a little earlier i wanted it to be more like gremlins i wanted to to know the list of do's and don'ts as far as yeah roms the boy is concerned earlier on but instead later on it's like oh what she's supposed to kiss him goodnight okay that's weird wish i had known that was coming for a while you know
2: it's really weird. You can only glean the rules. You can never really, you never have enough time to actually read the list and no one ever breaks them down to you. So they just show you the list a couple seconds at a time. And maybe you read a couple items off it. And that kind of continues like three or four or five times throughout the movie until you get the broad strokes of what you have to do with the boy. Um, She gets walked through, I think two or three of the rules in detail Mm -hmm. when she takes the job. But yeah, a lot of stuff that I thought was pretty important gets kind of, glossed over or rushed in this movie and the rules of the boy certainly were one of them
1: well i'm gonna tell you and we're gonna get into this in the spoiler room but having already seen this movie and you know is it is it a spoiler to say there's a twist i mean i don't think so there's something wrong with the boy we're gonna find out what this boy business is all about but watching it a second time man it could not have been more clear during her introduction to the elderly couple and them you know interns kind of taking her through the through the house and the routine and their version of the history of their son. It's all laid bare. It is it is so utterly obvious if you know what's going to happen. And I really appreciated that. I think maybe mm. one reason they didn't lay out all the rules at the outset is that I mean, one, I don't think Greta, it's not that she doesn't care, but she thinks this whole thing is fucking weird and she's not taking it too seriously. So we as the audience don't take it seriously. She had, she she read the rules. She threw it aside. We don't need to know the rules. Not important until it becomes important later.
0: I love that. I love a twist movie where the twist fully blindsides you but then you can go back and and check its work because goddamn, the twist in this certainly did blindside me and now that you say that i'm very curious <laughs> as to it should revisit it and uh and see the, the setups
1: oh, i was shocked there's little throwaway lines here and there um i would say wait a while to rewatch it maybe yeah i'm in mean, no, four gosh. years like i did but
2: <laughs> i actually had had this movie spoiled for me somehow over the last four years oh, i don't no. know how um but i it, it was vague enough where like watching the movie i was like you know what i don't know what's going on or what's gonna happen i think this is what's happening And I turned out to be right, but um, I I didn't really. I didn't have the same experience, and even I actually kind of watched this twice uh, in preparation for my review because I thought I missed some things the first time. Um, And I just, I appreciate what you're saying. There are some clues, but it's just not nearly as tight, or I guess as. Logical
1: or sensible <laughs> as I would like it to be, I don't know. Oh, I, I second that wholeheartedly. It's this is not a logical or a tight movie by any means. No. but there there are enough clues that I was like, I went into this thinking like, wait, do I remember? how this ends do i remember the the big reveal and i kind of didn't and then as i was hearing the husband in particular say some lines early on while they're out in the garden trapping rats i was like oh yeah duh he like gives a few key words and some images came back to me yeah but we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves yeah so um so she's left alone with the boy. The elderly couple's gone on holiday. Very soon after, we meet a uh, a, a dashing young man, the, the grocery boy.
0: Oh, love who him. Who works for the couple. Malcolm, right? Love
1: him. Malcolm, yeah. Um, absolutely love this man. He just exudes charm. There were moments where I wanted to be creeped out by the way that he was trying to seduce Greta, but I don't think he was actually trying to seduce her. It's this—it's it's such an innocent romance. Yeah, um, except he, for that one scene early on where he does his version of palm reading with her chewed gum in his hand.
0: Oh, that's a weird moment, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's flirting and it comes off as, as innocent and consensual interest between these two people, which is I don't know, it's just nice because you see so many shitty relationships and especially shitty male-female dynamics in a lot of these movies that we watch. And I, I mean, I was almost as charmed by Greta as I was by Malcolm. I I just found Lauren Cohen's performance natural, engaging, likable. I was there for it. I mean, it's not a great performance. It's not particularly super deep character, but I don't know. I was drawn in by her almost immediately. And, you know, that's another thing that's kind of rare sometimes in some of these movies we wind up watching. Uh, It's just nice to actually have two protagonists who I felt charmed by and, and enjoyed spending some time with.
1: I yeah I love that and um, like one thought I had watching this movie a second time was like it's just like it's like a couple million dollars above like a lifetime movie yeah and it feels like that like it it definitely you know it doesn't think it's high art but it's like yeah we're 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 kind of treading in familiar waters here but we're gonna give you a little bit more than you would get just watching this kind of trashy premise on TV you know the production values are bigger the performances are commensurately better I had just a great time watching these two interact and flirt with each other. Absolutely. It could have come across as so cheesy and so cheap, but I felt like they were like just committed enough to sell me.
0: It was refreshing. Well, yeah. And I mean, speaking of cheesy, but also the commitment sells it is just the way everyone interacts with Brahms. Like from moment one, the doll is sitting in a chair and the old couple are just scowling at Lauren Cohen when she laughs when she first sees the porcelain doll that she expected to be a human boy and uh-huh. it's of course such a bizarre and laughable concept and you know i i chuckled a little but also was immediately drawn in by again just the commitment of the performances and the generally just weird and, and unsettling concept of everybody treating this doll like it's an actual child and Lauren Cohen's character having to immediately kind of play along. It, I don't know. It's just, it's a great setup, just great fun it, to watch. It's a great moment.
1: Cause like we're laughing with her, you know, like, like if you're going in, if you're going to see this movie and you've seen the trailer, like, you know, it's ridiculous. And that laugh felt so genuine. I felt like I would have done the same thing if I'd been surprised by this this doll i mean should we describe the doll i guess people can look it up but it's like simultaneously eerily lifelike and oddly ghoulish
2: yeah it looks like someone turned a boy magically into a porcelain doll
0: i mean let's put it this way like you are you're already constantly waiting through the whole movie for this doll to animate for it to come to life move its face move its arms walk around and the yeah the the almost lifelikeness of it suits that perfectly you know it plays into it perfectly there's something about its eyes though one of the eyes is sort of misshapen and it just gives it always a slightly sad slightly deformed kind of look that's just perfectly off-putting
1: I didn't notice that detail but I did find that like the way it was lit and maybe some of the you know color correction that was done on this it was a real doll you know it's like an actual prop but there are moments when it it's kind of uncanny where it looks cgi and that really kind of creeped me out because i mean like the concept of the uncanny is, is pretty real and that that kind of stuff you know dolls tend to creep people out in general but in this movie it's like a doll that is weirdly lifelike, but also weirdly artificial looking, except there's an added layer of that, like we are kind of expecting it to come to life. And I'm like, is it going to come to life via CGI or are they going to like do animatronics with the doll? Like I had these thoughts lingering in my mind the whole time. And it, it, I will say it did unsettle me a little bit. I've never seen anything quite like it.
0: Yeah. They do some great stuff with the lighting. There's, there's one shot where, um, the, his face is lit through a, a window and it's raining outside and just the water rolling down the window in the way that that changes the lighting on his face um, creates a great illusion of, you know, almost some sort of motion in the face where again, you're being sort of entreated to, to look at it and, and, and expect that movement in the face. It's a nice, and again, kind of naturally created moment, you know, it's achieved, well, I suppose you could achieve that lighting effect with CG, but it may not be a natural lighting effect, but it looks very natural.
1: I
2: don't know, guys. I had a hard time getting into the mood of this movie, um, and it, a lot of things I liked about this movie, I don't think the direction was really one of them. I just couldn't really tell how I was supposed to feel. It didn't really lean one way or another hard enough like I mean it's ridiculous right and and we have these moments where it's like yes it's hilarious and kind of unsettling that we're supposed to be taking care of this doll as if it's a boy but it's shot very naturalistically and there's like not that many like close-ups of the the face of the doll in moments where like you know she's interacting with the doll uh feeding the doll dressing the doll
1: learning about the doll um And I. That's because she's not doing a lot of that shit, though. She's like, for the first, like, two acts of this movie or maybe first like act and a half she's not really taking care of the doll it's just it's just there and she's like living her life she's on the phone with her sister whoever the fuck ever talking about her trauma and her her ex she's starting this new you know kind of tenuous romance with the grocery boy and yeah. i feel like we just kind of forget about the doll for a while
2: and all of that just really didn't work for me like this movie gets going for me about halfway through before that, man, it's a drag and it's so not fun considering the fun premise which is we have a woman alone in this creepy candlelit Victorian mansion babysitting a doll that she thinks might be fucking alive. Like what like what a fun premise, but it's just such a slog and it's the same shit we see in all these other Netflix movies where it's like, "Oh, what was that noise? I'm going to walk slowly through the corridor and investigate."
0: Oh, you no, know. no. See, I'm fully drawn in for that first act because of at first when the couple leaves her with just the doll, she thinks this is a bunch of bullshit. You know, she throws a, a blanket over Brahms and, you know, kind of th- just handles him uh, with not a lot of care, just sort of tossing him around. And you're waiting for something terrible to happen. You're waiting for something terrible to happen. And I'm drawn in at that part of the movie because again, I I like this character. I like the character of Malcolm and the basic setup of the, the concept of this creepy doll is interesting enough for me. But then the interesting pivot comes when she starts to realize that there actually is something going on here, that this doll may actually be alive or possessed by some spirit or something. And then the interesting pivot to me is that she's not really afraid of it, but she actually starts to respect it and starts to actually take care of the doll and and, and play along. I, I liked that rather than, oh, my God, the doll's stalking me. I have to get away from it. She bonds with him. Well,
1: absolutely. Well, But the doll fucking gaslights her into taking care of him. Like there's that. I mean, moment, I was going to say terrifying moment. It wasn't terrifying to me, but there's that moment where she gets like trapped up in the attic for the entire night. And that's when she starts to realize that like things might be, things might be going wrong. There's more than meets the eye here. That part was so boring. Oh, I was, when
0: it's, I was totally in. It's, when she's trapped I'm, in the attic.
2: Yeah. I don't know. There was just, I mean, the thing is with the with the con with the confines of what the premise actually is and what the twist is there's only so much you can do without either giving everything away or not being creepy enough I don't know like I'm trying to think of how James Wan would have made this movie and it would have been so
1: much more fun but it would have had to have a, it would have had to be so different I don't know it would have had to have it yeah it would have had to have a stronger Uh, premise, a little bit more detailed backstory and all that stuff, but I could see James Wan really bringing a little bit more life to this. All this is to say, I I went into this movie the first time, and I went into it the second time knowing that it is patently absurd. It is not a good movie, at least in the eyes of of people who had seen it before I had. I just went in expecting complete absurdity. I did not expect to kind of I don't know, to get a little bit more invested in the central characters, Greta and Malcolm, when there's nothing else going on. (laughs) That that was a pleasant surprise to me. Yeah, and Um, I totally
2: agree with Patrick about when the halfway point of the movie comes through, and Greta starts to actually take care of the boy, and actually projects her own, you know, she lost a pregnancy, and she's projecting that onto the doll, and is really emotionally invested almost to the point where it seems like she's starting to go crazy. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's great. Um, and everything for the most part that happens after that point is interesting, uh, in one way or another. Um, I just had a really hard time getting through that first half where it's just not quite a haunted house. Not quite a haunted doll, not quite absurd enough to have fun with it, and just a lot of these, you know, creaky door tropes that we see in every low budget horror movie
1: on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's like, there's a lot of just Greta, like, on the phone, Greta day drinking, (laughs) Greta flirting with Malcolm. Like, there's there's not a lot happening, except that she's kind of, we're learning a little bit of backstory about her, but not really quite enough at that point. And we're developing this kind of budding romance that turns out to be marginally important.
2: And there's scenes that just don't really contribute anything like she's locked in the attic and you know there's that that fabulous oil painting of the old couple and Brahms as Brahms the human boy hanging up there and she's in the attic and we spend time where she like finds a picture of the painting and then she finds a picture of an actual photo that the painting was based on but like we already
1: know that Brahms was a real boy that Um, was okay Chris thank you for mentioning that because that was one of the more uh, vexing moments to me while watching this movie again like i think this was one moment where i kind of backed up a few seconds because like you expect a big reveal there she finds you know obviously that oil painting is i mean i had no doubt that it was a picture of them and their real boy even though he doesn't look quite like a real boy in that picture he looks oddly cartoonish compared to them but yeah, she finds like a photo album with the with a f- a photo of the painting, which is kind of bizarre in and of itself. Um, and then tucked behind it, but also still partially visible, a photo that was that the painting was based on, and it's exactly the same. I was like, I backed up to like scan it. Like, wait, is there some visual information here? Some discrepancy I'm supposed to notice? No. it's just, And that's all we really get out of her being up in that attic.
2: Right. It's just a waste of time. And then they do the same thing again where it's like you find out that part of the house's history involves a murdered girl. And then she, like, discovers a news article about a murdered girl. But there's no new information. And we had no reason to disbelieve the murdered girl story the first time. It's just like, well, let's put that scene in there. You know, when other things feel so rushed, like when Malcolm and Greta kiss for the first time and like their lips touch and it's like jump cut to the next scene. I'm like, I would like to have those 30 seconds we spent on the photo album on that <laughs> so I kind of understand a little more how she feels about him, you know, etc. I
1: don't know. Nitpicks, maybe. But, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this movie way more credit than it's due but she doesn't know how she feels about him. She just got out of an abusive relationship. I, I do feel like that's like a little bit in the script that she's kind of reluctant to fall for this guy one there's kind of a class issue that's brought up a couple of times because he's just a grocery boy meanwhile she's a fucking nanny from out of the country so i don't know what that's about
2: oh and the kind of nanny from out of the country where you know you meet these people when you're traveling who's like you know doesn't she's rich she can travel she can spend two years six months whatever living in someone else's house in a foreign
1: country it's just a it's just an adventure. Anyway, yeah, I, but the, but the stuff with her and Malcolm, it, you know, I I wouldn't have any of this to say if I hadn't seen this movie twice. But it, it the script is like it's still pretty crappy, but like it's a little bit more sensitive than I would have thought because based on her conversations with what is that her sister? I can't remember the yeah. relationship. Yeah, with sister, the friend, she's talking sister, to. something sister like she's clearly kind of anxious about the whole thing kind of reluctant to like get back in the saddle especially because she's only there temporarily and i i appreciated that level of of depth so um in in the romance
0: so i want to stop and unpack the class issues for a moment because i mean don't we always but i didn't really pick up on that is she supposed to be rich because that was not what i gathered I don't know if she's
1: supposed to be rich, but there's at least one kind of passing remark that she makes to her sister about, like, him just being a grocery boy. Like, he's, you know, he's just a townie, he's low class. Like, that's how I sort of read that line. And I thought that was interesting and it made me kind of beg to to know more about her backstory and, like, what her you know what her i wanted to see her tax records is what i'm saying
0: here well yeah <laughs> i was kind of curious about her backstory too because when he reads her fortune from the chewing gum he <laughs> he makes one guess that she totally shoots down as far as what her backstory is and then the second one he hits on some details I, I, I think from what I remember about her relationship, but I still didn't get a great picture of what we're actually supposed to believe about where she's from and, and what her deal is other than her relationship backstory.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Dude, I'm going to take you in the, I'm going to take you in the weeds here, uh-huh. but my re- my read I mean, we're is unpacking that
0: the class, in <laughs> the class commentary <laughs> of the boys. So, yeah, we're so in the weeds already.
1: <laughs> we're we're so just like mired in loam right now in the weeds um but like i i kind of like that because she's it, it, the way that i read that whole scene with like the chewing gum is that she's she's very uneasy she's got some 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 secrets she's got a dark past and the movie is like it's doling out that information like in real time with how comfortable she feels giving it and that's kind of reflected in a couple of other key pivotal moments involving other characters that happen in the film
0: so i'm fine
1: Um, i appreciate that
0: yeah so i'm fine with that but i just i guess i never really got the details that i was looking for i'm fine with doling out bits of character backstory and we do learn more about like the relationship and her lost pregnancy but yeah, I, I'm still like, where does she come from? Like, you know, yeah.
1: Oh, I mean, turns out it probably doesn't even really matter. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I like that the movie like seemed to put more effort into that than, you know, the the analogy I'll keep using or the analog I'll keep using is a lifetime movie. It gave yeah. me like a little bit more uh, artistry around her character development than I would have expected. Yeah. Did it deliver? Absolutely not. I, I really don't think this
2: movie... I mean, we can kind of riff on it. I don't really think it's interested in class commentary. I don't <laughs> even think that, um, I don't, yeah, that Grez is supposed to be rich. I don't really think they even put thought into that. I mean, we know she gets very excited about the wad of cash she receives for her first week on the job. Uh, we know we come to find out that she's uh, her former boyfriend uh, is apparently blue-collar, like a roofer or something. Who the hell knows? She's not. She's not a snooty person.
0: Wait, do we... Do we need to mark this down in the Amon history books as the first time Chris didn't want to read extra themes into a movie?
2: Oh, oh, I have themes out the ass, but oh. I just
0: can't
1: talk. I, I can't talk about them until we get to the spoiler. Oh, moment.
0: okay. All oh, right. I can't Thank wait. God. Thank <laughs> can't God. can't wait. Yeah, well, no. maybe we
1: should We should advance the plot forward a little bit then. Yeah. Um, I, because we definitely have gotten... <laughs> let's get out of the weeds. Let's get out of the weeds. Um, okay, so... Uh, there's the whole attic scene. She's supposed to finally go on a date with Malcolm. She gets trapped up there. He doesn't hear her screams because the house is fucking huge. And she's on like the 17th floor. Uh, so cut to later after she's up in the attic, she sees the photo for whatever reason, this motivates her to start paying a little bit more attention to the rules, trying to take, take care of the doll a little bit better. And she starts to notice that as she takes better care of the doll and follows the rules, the doll starts to behave interestingly. It starts moving when she's not looking. Then we wind up with a moment that can only be described as kind of a, I mean, we mentioned poltergeist on the show a lot, but I don't know if anybody else agrees with me. This scene is like almost a direct lift from the the famous chair oh, scene yeah. in Poltergeist. Okay, so she figures out that the doll moves when she's not around. She's got He's going full, full Toy Story. Out. He's going full Toy Story. So she she invites Malcolm out to show her this fabulous trick, and so so she's been she's gone kind of crazy. She's been even like measuring the doll. She's been putting chalk marks around it on the floor. And apparently, if she goes like two rooms away, because he's a shy boy, um, and knocks on the wall, if she comes back into the room, he's moved to somewhere else in the room. And she wants to show Malcolm that hey. I'm not crazy. There's something to this doll. And she's starting to develop kind of uh, maternal feelings for it.
2: And all that was great. I loved all that. I love the interplay between her and Malcolm. Again, I was frustrated because we spent this time in, you know, Malcolm's introduction where he's reading the gum and he establishes himself as someone for whom clairvoyance and psychic ability runs in his family and his Uh mom used to read tea leaves and now he can read palms and chewing gum and all this shit. So you think maybe that's going to be important and maybe that will play into, you know, when they're doing paranormal investigations into whether or not the boy is alive or possessed by a spirit or what. Uh, Nope. Turns out that information was completely irrelevant. Maybe that was irrelevant in a previous draft of the script or something. It's a vestigial, uh, organ
1: right because he's uh, he's immediately dismissive and thinks that Greta needs help but then you know we get the whole you know if you if you've seen poltergeist you know how the sequence works she's like oh my god i have to show you this crazy thing he's skeptical he's worried she they try the trick it doesn't work and then she's like wait we we have to do it again and they do it and it works and then they just immediately become almost kind of complacent with this revelation and go out for a walk and just start talking so casually about, you know, is it a, is it a ghost? Is it a, you know, whatever, what's going on here? Oh yeah.
0: It's suddenly totally acceptable. Yeah.
1: Suddenly there's just like, oh my God, it's, this is so amazing. And I wonder what it could be. Let's make out. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I mean, that's kind of one of my other little problems with this movie is there are there are definitely some inconsistencies along those lines. The other one that really struck me was, you know, there's this, um, pretty cool, creepy scene where Brahms is sort of stalking her and she's locked herself in the bedroom and he's calling her on the phone and he ends up making her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that mysteriously appears in front of the door when she opens it. And, but like probably five ten minutes later, she's then sitting at the kitchen table, like peeling a pear for him and is begging him you know if there's a spirit in this house show me a sign that you're there and it's like uh like two minutes ago the motherfucker left a peanut butter jelly sandwich outside your door so (laughs) clearly there's already some some pretty uh undeniable evidence that something unusual is going on here
1: well look she's i mean we can chalk it up to her being a little bit out of sorts i mean i feel like there are very few moments in this movie when she doesn't just have a giant glass of red wine within arm's reach i could not
0: chalk that out chalk that up to her being out of sorts it just it didn't make any fucking sense to me
1: but let me blow your mind a little bit
2: i did not really trust malcolm for a while i didn't either because we we can reasonably assume that the old couple who leaves the house uh are not Totally operating in good faith. And one of their curious rules that they leave behind for Brahms is that only Malcolm is to come up and bring the groceries. So the rules specify that Malcolm, and only Malcolm, is supposed to be coming into the house to make deliveries and shit. And I'm like, well, why would they do that unless he was part of the conspiracy?
0: Well, also, just the rules of cinematic archetypes kind of lead us not to trust him. I mean, the charming uh, local who seems to be an ally at first so often turns out to actually be you know, a sinister part of the conspiracy.
2: Oh, yeah, I was sure Malcolm was gonna take her out to the barn, yeah, the old couple was gonna be there uh Brahms was gonna have the the ceremonial knife, yeah, and they were they were and they gonna, were gonna
1: they were gonna cut off Malcolm's head and paymon was gonna take over They were gonna cut her <laughs> belly
2: open they were gonna put a smaller fetus like doll inside of her and sew it up
0: <laughs> yeah wow put her inside movie. a bear suit, light it all on fire anyway.
2: I don't know what more we can talk about before we go down those creaky steps. No, we've gotten
1: uh, we've we've gotten like right up to the edge of spoilers here. Yeah, let's Um, get
0: all up in that boiler room.
1: Whoa! (laughs) Sick. All right. Um, I mean, I've seen this thing twice. Anybody else want to go first? I'll go first. Boy was it bad. No, I'm joking. I'm joking.
2: I just uh, um I'm going to give it a cue it uh, I went back and forth on this one a lot. It's almost a screw it, but um again, I w- I gave it a couple chances and there's enough good stuff in here, especially once you get past that first hour which I just don't like. Um It's fun. There's some humanity to it. It's frustrating because I can see a lot of different directions that this movie could have gone into or committed more firmly to that I think would have been more entertaining or more made it just a high quality film. Um, And it didn't quite give me that. But, you know, whatever. There's worse ways to spend uh, your horror movie time. It's certainly better than a lot of the stuff that's out there. And, the, you know, there is a twist. And I would imagine that if you weren't cued into the twist, it might just blow your fucking mind. So I'll give it a cue it. I'll give it a cue it. Patrick.
0: Uh, this is definitely a view it for me. I had a great time with it. I love this strange and delightful premise i really enjoyed the characters and and performances definitely a cut above uh what you're expecting you know kind of a cut above that lifetime quality that we keep talking about and boy oh boy that twist i my mind was so on the rails of what I thought this movie was going to be that when the twist came, I had no idea what the fuck was going on for a few minutes and had to have someone explain it to me because I just, my, my mind wasn't even there. So, um, good job, the boy for, uh, for, I guess, misleading me to that degree. Can't wait to talk about that more in the spoiler room. But yeah, had just a great time with this and would recommend it to anyone.
2: And I should add, uh, just to piggyback, the the ending and the uh, post-twist, I thought was actually pretty fucking scary. Yeah, There's not a ton of just overt horror and terror in this movie, but there's some all-time great stuff at the end of the movie. Sure.
1: Steven. Yeah, I mean, the twist didn't blow my mind. Like, going into this movie, I was like, well, this can be, like, one of three different movies. And I was more like, oh, shit, it's that one. Awesome. But I had a blast with it when I saw it in the theater. I was howling, laughing. Uh, That said, I'm going to give it a cue it because I I think it takes a very particular kind of person to, like, fully get on board with this sort of movie. Not a lot of people like to watch a kind of bad movie and get on its level you know it ta- it it, it usually it takes some effort from most people this movie is very flawed it's very silly i mean i went into it expecting that so it delivered for me but i can see many others not having the same experience i i will say there's some stuff i really like in it it's but it's all just patently absurd over the top ridiculous So, yeah, I'll give it a cue. it. If this sounds like something that you want to get together with some friends, have some beers, eat some pizza and laugh at, like, go for it. You could do a lot worse. If you want some actual thrills and chills and spills, you know, you've heard what we've had to say about the first part of the movie. Maybe skip all that and just watch the third act. Watch the last 20 minutes or so. That part is a view it for me.
0: All right. Well. Before we go on down to the boiler room, I'm going to uh, remind you all, as always, to uh, follow all our social media at uh, AmonCast. That's E H M O N Cast. Uh, review us on your podcast provider of choice. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, all that good stuff. We love it when you uh, help us spread the good AMON word to more folks. And also hit up everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com and click on the merch store link where you can get your uh, handy dandy, beautiful, lovely Every Horror Movie on Netflix t shirt and coffee mugs and condoms and all those other great things that we've told you about before.
2: And I know what our listeners are thinking if they haven't seen the boy, they want to know what the hell the twist is uh, and maybe they don't want to go on Netflix and watch the movie for themselves so or maybe they are so watch it
0: for themselves but they want to relive it through our eyes
2: okay i'm just saying you stay you stay tuned for a few more seconds and we're gonna we might just blow your mind because we're gonna explain
1: (laughs) all the spoilers of the boy we're gonna go from boys to men right after the break
0: yes absolutely but we won't make love to you unless you want us to (laughs) yeah dm me (laughs) see you in the spoiler room All right, we have climbed up the stairs to the creepy attic of brahms's house and somehow still found ourselves in the spoiler room i don't know how that happened
1: it's some real annihilation jeff vandermeer shit going on here are we going upstairs or downstairs who the hell knows
0: i i don't know either but i like it let's talk about that crazy ass fucking twist to the boy
1: yeah so <laughs> i mean There is a boy. He's not exactly a boy. He's more of a man-child. Brahms is real. He's a grown-ass man. Brahms has been living in the walls of this house like bad Ronald for 20 years, just stalking around. The real Brahms, the, the child presumed
2: dead that we thought the grieving couple was using their porcelain doll as a surrogate. They may have been using it as a surrogate, but the real boy... Oh, yes, he's still alive. He's been creeping in the walls of the house. He's been going room to room in the shadows. He's been spying on you. He's been eavesdropping on you. He's been manipulating the porcelain doll, which is actually just a normal porcelain doll, and he is the cause of all the paranoia. Oh, he's got
1: secret entrances and exits up the wazoo. This whole house is rigged. This whole which, house
2: I mean, is honestly- like
1: the corner rooms on the board game Clue. yes that's a that's a great analogy
0: he's got a giant fucking bushy beard underneath this weird doll mask that he likes to wear all the time which is extremely disconcerting
2: he's physically disgusting but here's here's what happens this is the this is how you scream uh late (laughs) late act third act uh our hero greta's estranged abusive boyfriend who may work in sheet metal it's not really clear (laughs) He
0: shows up. Jesus, <laughs> Chris Sheet Metal is a respectable trade.
2: Well, I don't. It doesn't say what he does. All we know is that he wears all denim, and he says that his guys just got a contract to work on a new hotel, and there's going to be plenty of work for everybody.
1: Oh, and he looks like a like a very lithe Jason Momoa type. You know, so you, I, you wouldn't want to fuck. He with
2: him. He could be plumbers and pipe fitters. He could be IBW.
0: He he's could doing it. Sheet metal. He's doing a terrible American accent.
1: Yes.
2: Anyway. (laughs) He shows up, and basically he's like, look, girl, you just went across the ocean to get away from me and my legacy of abuse. How about you just get on a plane with me tomorrow and go back to your life of abuse? And Greta's like, I'm not totally into that concept, but you can stay the night here, I guess. So... Brahms doesn't like this other man. We don't know. At this point, we still think it's the puppet. Um, There's dead rats involved. There's ominous messages involved. Our man Cole, the abusive boyfriend, freaks out. He's tired of everyone telling him the doll's alive. He takes Brahms, the doll, by the feet and smashes his fucking head into smithereens. And in maybe the most horrifying kill I've ever seen in a movie.
1: <laughs> oh, th- I was I was screaming. Patrick, you'll know what I'm talking about here. That shot made me feel almost the same way as the turkey dropping on the floor in Cretia did. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck fuck you should not do that because yeah, it's like, just a
0: violation of a sacred convention that has been set up all movie and it happens yes. so suddenly i guess there's not a ton of buildup necessarily to it there's not a ton of struggle he just absolutely wastes this doll and it's like oh shit that's the one thing we're not supposed to do like that's there's this list of 10 things you're supposed to do and not supposed to do with Brahms but definitely this thing smashing Brahms on the fucking floor I think supersedes all those other rules it's not
2: even on the list because it's so horrible it's like it's It's she
1: would never you should never think of it's child abuse
2: rules of the the bowling alley don't specify don't come in here and shoot people and then burn down the bowling alley because it's just too horrendous To imagine
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i had so much anxiety in that moment and like we get a reaction shot from greta and there's like you know this actress is she's like too good for this movie i think there was so much written on her face and i guess part of it is just her character development i was like okay one she's bonded with this doll and she she started to develop feelings for it and she's taking it seriously she kind of sees it as a living entity so like that's been shattered um how is she gonna explain um and also like at that point the doll is like kind of her protector against her abusive ex and like now in her mind that's out the well, window too and it's her child because it's you know it's it's basically
2: she's projected yeah. her angst over her lost pregnancy onto this doll and uh-huh. the reaction is shot of her there's no audio we see her screaming but we don't hear it because we're screaming <laughs> yes, yeah
0: exactly. because like as soon as the dog gets smashed the walls start to shake the lights start to flicker and in my mind because i've been thinking we're dealing with the possessed doll story this whole movie i'm like oh the spirit is out this poltergeist or whatever that's trapped inside Brahms is going to wreak some havoc but instead Cole puts his ear up to this mirror he's like there's something in the wall there's something in the wall and I'm like what the fuck is he talking about all of a sudden an arm reaches out grabs him this adult Brahms that we've described comes through the mirror and just absolutely mur- murks Cole just stabs him in the jugular with a shard of mirror and they're like chasing the adult Brahms no, around with the shard
1: of his i I just i I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like this is worth it, not just with a shard of mirror with a shard of the of his doll's own face (laughs) oh
0: right 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 which
1: is so crazy so they're like
0: chasing the adult brahms around beating him up he's beating on people and i was watching this with allison with a y and i was like wow this is a very like corporeal ghost usually a ghost cannot like inflict its physical will on people and you can't like beat up a ghost like this and she's like no that's a human person brahms is real and i'm like Oh, that's how much my mind was still like, like set in the groove of it's a spirit locked inside a doll. Oh, that's no. crazy. Yeah.
2: And, that's, that's wild. <laughs> and, and when we talk about real life Brahms, uh, the closest comparison I can think of is, well, what it reminded me of anyway is Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween.
1: Yes, thank you. This is
2: a tall man. He's hairy, he's gross, he's he's a little damp, and he seems to be, even though he's been living off of, I guess, table scraps and, and dead animals and living in the walls for 20 years with no
1: sunlight, he is an athletic force to be reckoned with he can oh he's he's tyler main adjacent for sure and he appears to have superhuman strength i mean not only can he punch through a wall and a mirror there's a moment where he like while on the floor throws greta across the room like something out of a Zack snyder like superhero (laughs) movie (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. dude like i I, it's possible that brahms may actually be junior from 13 and 14 cameras
2: Oh, that would be make total sense. Yeah, it, very similar mo to,
1: to Gerald.
0: We'll have to we'll have to text Neville and uh, ask him to confirm or deny.
1: So, backing up a little bit, we we get some flashbacks. Not they're not flashbacks. I don't know what to call jump cuts. I guess to Brahms parents throughout this movie, and around this time, we learn that they've decided to go. Uh, on their holiday they've decided to go full Virginia wolf and put stones in their pockets and drown themselves and leave a letter to their boy uh Brahms basically basically sending him off to to look after greta um I don't know what kind of relationship they expect the two of them to have, but this was all in the plan from the beginning, yeah yeah and their their suicide
2: sequence is does kind of fall into the so bad it's good territory for me because it was just so strange. You have this older couple they just each take a stone and put it in their pockets they hold hands and they just trot out into this freezing lake uh, to become one with the sea like prometheus or something and it was just i was like why
1: would they go like that why would they choose to die like that i don't know i mean why did they choose to die i guess is the real question because we know the husband has like he's long been jaded by this whole game of the doll and the boy living in the walls he's trying to give greta hints early on in the movie without totally spelling it out but but why does the 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 mother finally grow weary of this because she seemed pretty into taking care of him
2: it doesn't make sense to me and this is the kind of stuff i wish were fleshed out just a little bit more so i could say oh yeah i understand if this is a curse that they feel they can't escape from or if they feel like they are living under the thumb of brahms like i know they have a hunting rifle for when they take like poor people onto their property and hunt them in the woods
0: so why don't they just (laughs) shoot brahms he's already legally dead so I mean, this is—I I disagree. This is actually part of what I like about this twist, you know. I mean, because also, why is there even a doll at all? I mean, you can you can read a lot into it, I guess. You know, I guess.
2: Oh, I have. We'll talk about it
0: later. Brahms had a fascination with dolls, or who knows what? I don't know. I kind of. I really I don't kind of I really appreciate the sort of lack of detail about why exactly this has all happened. And you're just sort of left to accept that this has been this family's reality for the past decade or or however long it's been i also like that we don't really know why exactly the mom and dad have finally just thrown in the towel and been like fuck it we're going to me that almost makes it even more ominous um you know just that that we don't know exactly how brahms has exerted this control or why he's finally scared them or or made their lives such hell that they're like fuck it let's pawn him off on somebody else and just kill ourselves because he's going to come after us
1: it's I mean the answer is and I didn't find any of this really all that ominous um, I mean the answer is it's just bad screenwriting but if they if this movie would nah. have been a half hour longer if they'd explained all that shit and I wouldn't have wanted to sit through it. yeah I, I don't like want that the they backstory. just left those loose ends well look we don't need backstory here's here's uh, here's what I think is in
2: the DNA of this movie and I'm not saying they need to go into exposition but I think with a little bit more savvy filmmaking maybe on the writing side maybe on the direction side maybe some Somewhere in between where some of this stuff got lost. I think I kind of know what they were going for. And I think it's a really rich concept. And it's one of the things that really frustrates me that this movie wasn't able to execute it perfectly. Because if it had, I think we'd be looking at like an all-time
0: great horror movie here. If they if they had properly executed the concept that you have come up with for it.
2: Well, if they had expanded on like the, the themes that I think they were trying to go for. So well, here's, here's Chris breaking down the themes again as I see it. Basically, what we have here is, um, well, there's something going on with the male gaze, and okay? Uh, from from the first shot, basically, of the movie, where Greta's riding into the house and her valet is, like, trying to look at her cleavage in the rearview mirror, right? Uh-huh. There's this theme of, like, there's eyes on her, right? And I think, like, Malcolm, like, always trying to flirt with her is part of this, too. Um, there's just a lot of her, her personal space being violated. She's got this abusive man in her past that she can't get away from who shows up at her house without notice whatever um now as far as Brahms the boy is concerned she is projecting her fantasies onto this doll of being a mother basically by by the midpoint of this movie i think the real life Brahms is also projecting his fantasies onto the doll and they're sexual in nature,
1: but also... Oh, he's jacking off behind those walls. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about and, it.
2: And so there's a voyeurism thing going on here, but I think the doll is an active participant, or, or, or Bra- the real-life Brahms is using the the porcelain Brahms as a surrogate to get closer to Greta and sees himself as the doll. And... So we're, this is just really rich stuff. You can go back to Oedipus. You can, you can look at all the lines between maternal love and sexual love and, and all the ways that that can get conflated and fucked up. And I think that's what they were going for. You got two people. You got one doll. One's trying to give it maternal love. One's trying to take sexual satisfaction from it. And how is it going to turn out?
1: I I like that read. I honestly don't doubt that there were conversations about that in in the writing of this movie. That may have been earlier draft.
2: Honestly, I think it may have just been lost for the sake of a PG-13 rating, because the stuff we get is kind of gross enough, and... It's rushed again, you know. There's a part where they're escaping the house, they end up in Brahms's like sleeping quarters den. He's made an effigy of Greta out of her hair and her dress that he apparently sleeps with, does God knows what else to, and <laughs> it's 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 She is horrified, rightly so, and she begins to understand the level of invasion that Brahms has inflicted on her, physically, psychically, whatever. But then, like
1: Malcolm's, like, no, we got to keep running, and so they keep running. And so she, she realizes that, like, in a way, this is like she was the perfect candidate to take care of Brahms because of her past trauma. Yes, and and the parents knew that, but in a way, this is like. 10 times worse and more insidious. So I
2: don't know how much farther you can go down that road into all that icky stuff without becoming not the kind of movie that like teenagers want to go see on a Friday night, uh, much less a movie that can get a PG 13 rating.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm not sure. I guess I'm not sure what you're looking for because I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that she has a maternal love for Brahms and he has a sexual interest in her. I mean, I don't, I think that's quite clear. What else are you looking for?
2: Well, the action doesn't really tie into that. Basically, yeah. we just get Michael Myers crashing through a mirror and trying to chase him. And then, you know, there's a couple good scenes there, like when she's tucking him in at the end. Um, I just didn't think it was developed enough or or, or uh, congruent enough with
1: some of the other stuff in the rest of the movie. I don't know. Chris, 100% agree. Like, I think this movie favors jump scares over thematic or character development. And that's part of the reason why I love it as a bad, bonkers movie. Because, like, there are details that you would expect in a film like this that we just, they're hinted at, they're kind of skirted around, but it never fully delivers on them. It just goes for that final, bonkers, crazy, violent stressful finale instead of wrapping up any of the 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 sort of loose ends with with you know greta's arc
0: well yeah it's just an i mean this is yeah this is a this is a common sort of point of uh disagreement between the three of us where like some movies can just be fun you know not everything has to be a you know deep exploration of some particular theme I, I i don't know i guess i didn't need uh some grand uh conclusion on uh oedipal attachment or whatever i i got the weird vibes of brahms's attachment to greta and i understood why she was attached to him and that was enough for me i don't know i don't need yeah, it, some it, deep philosophical rumination on that
2: well no but it, it
0: just from wasn't the that boy fun.
2: It it just wasn't... Well, why is it called The Boy, too? You know, that's an interesting title. I mean, you could just look at it literally. Oh, yeah, there's a porcelain boy. Of course, we call it The Boy. But I think the movie's trying to ask questions about what is a boy. Uh, (laughs) You know?
1: No, like, Patrick, you're laughing, but I'm totally on board with Chris here. And I I love these little tete-a-tetes that we have about the, you know, rewriting the movie or whatever. Like, like, this is a bad... I think this is objectively at least like a B movie. I do think that it would be a very different and possibly even more intriguing and enjoyable movie. If some of these themes were like even slightly more developed, but it becomes clear in like the final act that, the filmmakers or the studio probably were interested in just throwing all that shit away because otherwise everything Chris just mentioned is like you're invited to think about that stuff yeah. by the, the direction, the editing and the screenplay. And it's just, it just ends up kind of vanishing in the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah. The last 20 opposed- minutes is
0: exactly where it gets delivered on the, that's where we get Brahms trying to make out with Greta through his mask.
2: Yes, and I have no issues with that scene, and it's not that I didn't find it. I mean, I was just, it wasn't that fun to me. All the scenes of them running through the interior walls of the house and Malcolm getting killed, but, oh, he's not really killed, and, oh, good, he gets to survive as the hero love interest, and they're going to ride off into the sunset together and stuff. I mean, it was it, it was kind of boring to me, honestly. And where the real horror lied and the fun lied was what this made me think about in the in scenes like the the the, the scene in his sleeping quarters that were really glossed over. And I thought, an abrupt way, I was like, "That's the horror. That's the fun. Why can't we linger on this a little bit more and and make that more of a point than just." it's there but really we want to cut to another jump scare or you know whatever else and that's what again why I get upset with the photo album scene that gives us nothing new because I'm like how else could we have spent this time I don't know yes. I-, I would like to dwell on the real horror which is like dude this guy's been watching you the whole time and yeah we do get a line where she says he's been watching me the whole time but that's all we get and it doesn't really communicate the horror that I think of when I think of that
0: but let me ask you how much I mean what else did you want out of that scene in the sleeping quarters because to me you can't go much further with that without getting like just gross and rapey and seeing stuff that you probably don't really want to see i mean talk about not becoming not fun like i don't want to see brahms force his sexual attraction on her any more than i already did like i got the idea
2: okay yeah we get the idea i just i I don't know i just didn't think it was very well executed i i mean I, i this isn't chris rewrites the movie entirely because i'm not prepared to say how i would have saved it um i just think that there was more going on than we got and i you know this could have been a better movie than it was. You could just I hear Chris make a great movie like, you know, Get Out or Us or something and have the same ideas but gloss over them and then say, well, what'd you want? The idea about class uh, uh, inequality and race was there, but uh, yeah, we got some jump scares and they ran out of the house.
1: <laughs> I hear Chris here. And like, I think, Patrick, the issue is maybe not with that particular scene, the sleeping quarters. It's. Um it's it's not about that specific instance that moment in the film it's about like there I feel like I wanted like just a little bit more information about Brahms, about his parents. I wanted a little bit more catharsis for Greta other than just escaping the situation. Because the rest of the movie suggests that. This is not just like a Texas chainsaw massacre where like we know everybody's doomed and like everything seems fucked up from the beginning. And then we see the final girl go through hell, and then, you know, the villain swings his dick, you know, his chainsaw dick at the end of the movie as she runs away screaming. This movie like sets itself up to at least aspire to be a little bit more thoughtful than that and then it just pivots into like does a complete 180 into well none of the themes we've set up really matter anymore this is a chase movie this is a, a claustrophobic chase movie i mean hell what does it mean for a
2: woman who you know was in an abusive relationship lost her pregnancy is very traumatized by it um is is reluctant to get close to people possibly because of that experience and she finally opens up to an inanimate object of all things on which she is able to express all her repressed maternal feelings but then it turns out that actually that puppet was a surrogate for some deranged sexual fantasy. Is that a happy ending? Like what is that how does that impact her as a character? It's up to us to imagine the movie doesn't give a shit.
0: I mean you guys (sighs) I I guess I respect this line of inquiry that you bring up on so many of the movies that we review. But, I mean, look, the comparison to Get Out to me is ludicrous. Get Out is a movie that is trying to examine extremely serious social issues through the lens of genre filmmaking. The Boy is just a stupid fucking movie that's supposed to be fun. Like, this is not trying to grapple with... Any serious issue, like I, I, it's just I don't know. The, the comparison to Get Out is ludicrous to me.
2: Well, yeah, but that's the that's my point. Kind of, it's like this this was this had smart enough ideas in it that maybe the makers weren't even maybe it was just subconscious maybe they didn't know what they were writing but it's there it's all right there and it's really interesting and they just did chose not to f- fuck with it but at the same time well, okay. you can't let tell me, me let... how you could have improved on it
0: you have you have yet to I, I mean all you keep saying is it could be better it could be better and it feels sort of it rings hollow to me if you can't tell me how to actually make it better it feels like you're just criticizing
1: Let's, okay, let's reset, because this conversation tends to become very tiresome. We've had it many times before. Like, I, I love The Boy for what it is. It's a very silly movie, and it's silly because it doesn't answer a lot of these questions we've talked about. One question I have that we haven't really talked about, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on it, is, are the parent, do you think the parents are afraid of Brahms? Absolutely. I don't know. Like, that's also not communicated really at all in this movie. But, like, watching it a second time, I had to kind of wonder if, like, maybe that's why they finally decide to just end this all. Or maybe why they decided to, to start with the beginning. I mean, the kid sounds like a, like a miniature sociopath. I mean, he kills a girl and gets away with it. They faked his death or whatever. I mean, that's still unclear to me, whatever the fuck happened there. But I have to wonder if, like, really... Brahms has been controlling them the entire time. He set the rules. He told them he wants a hot young American girl <laughs> to come and take care of him and do these very specific things for him. And they were finally like, alright, let's just tell him we're going on holiday. Let's not tell him we're going to kill ourselves. Maybe. Just, or, this, know, this is done.
2: Or, or maybe, again, again, it seems like a kind of important stuff for us to really just have no information about. Um, but, like, what it makes me think of is like, yeah, doesn't every parent like kind of want their child to like find romance?
1: <laughs> and this is just—it's like Arrested Development because he's been, I guess, escaping criminal punishment and just living in the walls all these years. And their friend, they're finally like, "Well, he's forty now. I think he should have a girlfriend. Yeah, well, they, they, they explicitly- <laughs> Maybe he won't kill her this time."
2: <laughs> They explicitly say in the letter that like yeah, here's like a pretty girl for you to take care of and they explicitly say to Greta how young and pretty she is and how Brahms will accept her. You know, they are they are giving her to Brahms. They know what's going on. And again, that's kind of another conflation of like parental love and
1: sexual love. It's super fascinating because it just it makes me ask so many questions about like yeah, even like what happened during that encounter with the the young girl on the playdate that he wound up killing as a kid. Like it seems very young for him to suddenly have like almost like paternal instincts toward a lover, which is weird enough enough. Well, itself. maybe we'll find but that, maybe we'll find out in Brahms the Boy 3 well <laughs> no I bet we'll find out in the boy 2 because I do have a feeling it's one it's one of two things here there's either studio meddling and this thing just got fucking hacked to bits or it was we were supposed to have all these questions and they're all answered in the sequel so, I'm kind of inclined toward the latter
0: since we're in the spoiler room I mean I looked up the I looked up the plot summary of Brahms the boy 2 last night because the reviews are really terrible and while I obviously disagreed with the pretty terrible reviews of the boy itself i was like okay these reviews seem too absurdly bad for me to even spend my time watching brahms the boy too so i read the the plot summary and i can testify that really none of these questions are answered
1: i would feel like brahms the boy too would be kind of like a like a pseudo-prequel where, like, maybe we get a new victim and he finds a way to get a nanny without his parents, but then we get some flashbacks that, that reveal a little bit more about his childhood and, like, how he... I assume manipulated his parents into this whole scheme. To and begin with. I feel like you could still go forward. I think Brahms, the
2: real Brahms, is scary enough, and the gimmick with the porcelain doll, which he rebuilds, is scary enough that you could just have him be like a slasher, and he just has a doll and, and he wants to live through this doll he wants this doll to be taken in and loved so he can live vicariously through it Uh, i love that you know he the the sequels could follow what is brahm's next move after his house Chris, write
1: write that spec script but i i do have to say like i guess my ultimate takeaway from like the spoiler room portion of this conversation or portion of the movie i guess is that like Slashers don't really do anything for me usually. Even like, you know, slashers and masks, like I usually just find it to be just kind of silly or maybe even kind of douchey looking. Brahms the adult is fucking scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I was, I, I, I love that. Like, I wanted more of that. Um, it's, it's, it's a great look. I mean, even like the porcelain doll mask thing, like I've seen that done in ways in movies before that I just found to be kind of cheesy or like, spencer's gifts looking (laughs) but like he delivered the goods and there was there was there was too little of that i guess one of the problems of this movie is it's like two different kinds of movies and we only get that kind of movie for like 15 to 20 minutes
0: there's something about the beard under the porcelain mask that's very unique and off-putting
1: And the big, wide eyes, too, because, like, the mask has innately, like, pretty big eye holes, and the actor's eyes seem to almost fill them, which I found to be very spooky. Yeah. Good casting.
0: For sure. I mean, the last thing I'll say about just sort of the, the lack of detail that we get is that's something that I enjoy in certain movies, and I think something that we have all celebrated in certain movies, you know, we talked about texas chainsaw came up already tonight for one reason or another that i forget now and i think that's a great example of one of those movies where you know you do get some details you do get some backstory on this family and what their deal is but so much of them is still a mystery and that's part of why it's so horrifying it's one of the things that i enjoy in horror movies in general is when there's not you know you're not explaining shit up the wazoo yeah patrick i totally hear
1: you there and like i love that kind of movie when it's when it's done you know by someone who's in the right mindset the writer the director um like texas chainsaw massacre we're like you don't really want to know more it's just it's, it's preying on your fears of the unknown or in that case your fears of rednecks um but this movie like it does set up a lot of stuff that like that just doesn't pay off. I mean, there's no denying it. Like it would be a different movie. If say we didn't get those jump cuts to the parents committing suicide and whatever, if we were just like, all right, we're just Greta alone in the house with this unknown and the parents are gone. They were fucking weird. We're never going to see him again. And it didn't beg you to ask more questions about what those relationships were. Like I could see a way to like cut this movie where the unknown is more appealing as it stands. It just, frustrated
2: me. Yeah, well, if we just got a letter from the parents, we just saw the letter, and it's like, yeah, here's your girl. We're gone. You know? You well, don't need to see them. them. Seeing them kill themselves just raises so many weird questions that, the you know... <laughs> it does! It really does! <laughs> um... It, it, it reminds me a little bit of the urban legend of the girl who's walking down the street and the blind man comes up and gives her a letter and says, hey, can you deliver it to this address? And she goes to the address. Uh, well, she's about to she she walks down the street. Then she turns around. She sees the blind man's like running across the street or something like he's not actually a blind man. And she's like, huh, that's weird. So she takes the letter to the police. Instead, the police raid the house and they find piles of human flesh labeled for sale. And the letter says, this is the last one I'm sending you today.
1: yeah i mean okay i'll state it again for like the 17th time (laughs) i think this movie is a blast it's an utter blast watching it a second time made me have more of a critical opinion of it but it's i i think the fact that it I like that it is what it is, that it leaves those questions unanswered, because that's what made me just kind of howl in laughter and stare in amazement at this bizarre beast of a movie that's trying to be 17 things at once. Like It's fun, but also, I think it's a good enough concept that it could make for a better movie like maybe in 20 years somebody will remake the boy based on this podcast they'll have heard my and Chris's thoughts about it and and they'll make you know the next great horror for that generation who knows can't wait so we got this chase in the walls, which is, you know, it it works. It's it's the first time I saw this. It, it did feel pretty suspenseful, even though I've been mostly laughing at this movie. I was like, you know, I'm i I've, I'm somewhat claustrophobic, and it was really concerned about how these characters were going to get out, especially knowing that Brahms knows the entire. Like, network of tunnels and passageways in this house. You know, there's a lot of suspense around, like, how are they going to get out without him intercepting them? And there, there's a lot of just kind of back and forth. The set design was completely baffling to me because it proposes that the entire framework of this house one, they have this human size, these human sized corridors outside of every room in the entire house, which I don't think most houses have. It made me wonder if they added, like, a layer to the house after they decided to imprison proms in the walls. Um, But there are slats everywhere in order to provide light so we can see the action. And, you know, at first that didn't really bother me. I was like, well, I mean, that makes sense. I would assume that maybe the parents would... You know install some some hanging lights you know even just light bulbs on wires or something so Brahms could see his way around but there are also shots through the walls into rooms in the house through these slats which makes no logistical sense to me and it bothered the fuck out of me that like once we get inside the walls. The entire house is just, like, a lattice work of slats where you can, like, literally see through the wallpaper in every room.
0: Yeah, the uh, architecture, very off-putting.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong, but
2: it didn't bother me.
0: Yeah, you just accept it. I just accepted it. I mean, it occurred to me. Obviously, it makes no sense. Like, that's quite impossible and impractical, but, I mean, it's, Yeah. I mean, I think because we've just pivoted from a concept of a doll potentially walking around a house on its own <laughs> to a grown man living in the walls of a house, by comparison to me, I was just like, "Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not Bob Vila. I don't know what the fuck the inside of a house
1: looks like.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was, so it was interesting though, those shots, like what what kind of like took me out of the experience this time around was like the couple of shots where like Greta and Malcolm are like, You know, you know, just like scurrying through the walls and then we get shots like from their POV into rooms through these little like quarter inch slats that you don't see from the interior rooms themselves. So it gives you like Brahms POV and I'm like, why is not Brahms POV cooler? Why don't they why isn't like, you know, Scooby Doo where there's like, you know, like a little eye hole. in, in holes, like a painting uh, or something, the they can, can stare a through. The wall. Um,
2: well, there's so much yeah. shit on the walls of this house. It's like a fucking Ruby Tuesday. That that you can, uh, <laughs> you can <laughs> there could be slats underneath anything. You know, for any picture for any given picture frame could have a whole a slat under it. Aren't you thinking
0: of TGI Fridays? Isn't it TGI Fridays that has it all the used shit to on be the wall? Every
2: chain, and then like circa 2000, it was Applebee's. It wasn't cool anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and that, that, that was a minor quibble, but just something that I found like super entertaining the second time through that also made me ask the question of like, holy fuck, did they rebuild the house, like reinforce the house just for Brahms? That would be fascinating.
2: Final thought on this movie. And you guys are probably going to disagree with me, but I just, I say, fuck it. Um, (laughs) The the, the final shot of this movie is Brahms, the real Brahms, rebuilding the puppet Brahms. And he does a pretty good job of putting the shattered head back together. And the final frame is a close-up on newly reassembled Brahms the doll staring back into the camera. And I wanted the eyes to blink.
1: Brahms 2.0 oh dude yeah uh, you you, wanted
0: (laughs) i i sort of thought about that too but in in a way to me it's like the uh what is it the music box in the conjuring where you're always like waiting for something Ah, to happen and it never does and i honestly love just the expectation and it not happening more than i do actually getting the dog food moment of him blinking
2: that's true because we do expect brahms to move the entire fucking movie and it it It's better that they didn't give it to us,
1: yeah okay, like i have i have like my brain is split in half on this movie. there's the part that now that we've talked about it where i i I see that it there there are some improvements that could be made to make it a movie I would enjoy more, like just as a movie, but then there's the part of me that's like this is a fucking bad movie, and I enjoy all of its weird bonkers choices. that part of my brain really wants the eye to blink. You know, may, you know, it did. It did just
2: cut to black, so it could be like Inception. We don't know if he blinked or not.
1: <laughs> okay, it's not. But I'll just settle that right here and now. It's
0: Schrodinger's doll blink. Yeah,
1: it I'm may,
2: well, like, okay, the, maybe the frame cutting to black is is what Brahms sees when he blinks.
0: Oh yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> it was filmed looking into a mirror. Maybe. Through Brahms' eyes. Yeah.
1: So many layers to unpack. My final lingering question about this is like, okay, we see Brahms 2.0. He looks like fucking shit. How is, you know, just thinking forward to the sequel, how is Brahms going to find a woman, because that's his MO, who... Is willing to care for a doll that is so broken.
0: He'll be even more. He'll be even more endearing now that he has war wounds. He needs even more care now,
1: and he needs an even more broken person to care for him—an even better victim.
2: Well, I can't. You know, I I do want to see Brahms the boy too now. I do yeah. too. <laughs> so we'll we'll have to get on that.
0: Well, I feel like we've beaten the porcelain doll of the boy to death. Uh, so. Uh, what are we doing next episode? I hear we have a little something special lined up a little earlier than we normally would.
2: Oh, we're going to have a very special guest on the next episode, uh, and not a little kind of very special guest that we always have on when we have a guest. Um, we're going to do something special next time, and this is going to come out next week. So one week from... Uh well, when this episode comes out, this is coming out July second so mark your calendars, get ready. a little bonus episode coming out for you. Uh, we got an email very surprising email from one G J Camp, who you may not know as the who you may know as the director of The Car, Road to Revenge. Apparently, he listened to our episode, he heard us talking shit, and he reached out because he wants to tell his side of the story and answer some of our questions about how that film was put together. Couldn't be more excited to talk to him.
0: I mean, speaking of moments when we were all screaming, I think we were definitely all screaming when this guy uh, actually happened to reach out to us, and I couldn't be more excited to talk to him and and yeah, hear his side of the story and what happened with the car road to revenge.
1: Yeah, that email was pretty fascinating. He sounds like a chill dude. It sounds like he's ready to to give us some serious uh Secrets about the movie business and his experience on the car, too. He did say it was the making that film was the worst year of his life. Yeah, so I think we're gonna get a real tell all situation here. Can't wait to see what he has to say. You know, it seems like every
2: episode we have so many questions about the creative process behind these movies, and we rarely ever get answers to them. This is a very exciting opportunity to finally get some of those answers. Can't wait to talk to GJ, can't wait to hear all about the car road to revenge, and hopefully, y'all can't wait to hear it either
0: absolutely well we will be bringing you that one week from today can't wait hope to see you there for every horror movie on netflix i'm patrick i'm chris and i'm steven we'll see you next time